Our first uh, scripture reading is from the book of 1 John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When He is revealed, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And all who have this hope in Him purify themselves, just as He is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that He was revealed to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. Friends, this is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So one of my uh, favorite uh, TV shows of all time, uh, watched it a lot growing up, was the TV show The Odd Couple with Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. It ran for five years, 114 episodes. I have all five seasons on DVD in case you ever want to borrow some. Finicky Felix Unger is the ultimate neat freak. And in an old episode, he has a dream in which he dies and goes to heaven. He expects that everything up there will be clean, spotless, and perfect. But things are not as they should be, at least not in Felix's mind and eyes. With that, take a look, and we'll also hit the lights. Hello? Anybody here? (laughs) Hello, Felix. Oscar, oh, what a wonderful surprise. I haven't seen you since the day you were run over by the garbage truck. Yeah, that was an ironic way to go, wasn't it? Did you know one day later the garbage man would have been back on strike? I was surprised to find you were here. Last time I heard about you, you were at the Julie Andrews home for the incurably neat. I passed away there. Of natural causes? Natural causes. They gave me a glass of orange juice with lipstick on it. I died of disgust. You haven't changed, Felix. <laughs> but some things have changed. Look how neat and clean your desk is. Oh, this is nothing. You should see my cloud. Felix, one changes when one comes through the pearly gates. One hasn't changed entirely. Dust. Felix, that's stardust. <laughs> dust is still dust. Yeah, I'll take care. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's the matter? Look at this phone cord. Isn't this funny? It's funny about it. You never could keep your telephone cord untangled. You know how that irritates me? Felix, up here in heaven, we don't worry about things like phone cords and dust. We take things a lot easier. Fine. Good. Now, as I said, your papers are in order. Uh-huh. Here are your wings. Oh. Look, go through that door. Sir. Yes? Turn right at the assembly room, and they'll attach your wings. These wings are soiled. They're not soiled. I can't wear these. Whoever does your laundry should be informed about a substance known as soap. Felix, I'm in charge of the laundry. That explains it. Felix, I have the patience of a saint. In fact, I happen to be a saint, you see. But you're worse than my ex-wife. How she got up here, I'll never know. Now, look, Felix, see what's happening? You're making me lose my temper and... I had no idea heaven was run such a slipshod way. Felix, I'm getting feelings I never had since I left Earth. Well, I can't wear these. They're disgusting. Okay, old buddy. I hate to do this. What? Do what? Hot, hot, hot line. Hello, Adolf. Yeah. Listen, I've got a reject for you. Yeah, but don't be too rough on him. He's an old friend of mine. Yeah, 
Okay, I'll send them right down. Bye-bye. No, no. I hope you're wearing summer underwear. No, no, I love the wings. They're me. Honest, I love them, Oscar. Jesus said in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 8, it's uh, printed in your bulletin. It also will be on the screen behind me. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I am uh, continuing my sermon series. This is the second to last on the Bible you thought you knew. And today we're looking at that famous phrase, cleanliness is next to godliness. Just so you know, there is no verse in the Bible that says cleanliness is next to godliness. The closest thing we have is a quote from the Christian writer, Sir Francis Bacon, who said, cleanness of body was ever deemed to proceed from a due reverence to God. Well, I believe that in tackling this statement, it has far less to do with dust, tangled phone cords, soiled wings, keeping a room tidy, or using good personal hygiene as it does with an attitude of the heart. And with that as an introduction, I invite you once again to join me in prayer. Let us pray. God, we pray that you would give us open ears and hearts to hear and receive that which you are saying to us today. And we ask it and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's this uh, wonderful scene in John chapter 13. It occurs during Holy Week. It's the occasion on which Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And of course, Peter says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says back to him, if you do not let me wash you, you will have no part of me. And so Peter recoils in horror and says, okay, Lord, then wash me all over. Wash my hands, wash my face, wash my feet. I want all of it. I was thinking about it this week. We're really not that much different. At least we shouldn't be because we should really want the whole thing as we come to church. We want, make that we need the biggest dosage of God that we can get. As I shared earlier, I was on vacation at the beach in North Carolina uh, this month. And one night when I went out to dinner, I think it was the same night I got pulled over by the police officer, by the way, um, I ate at the Smithfield's chicken and barbecue. And you just need to know that I just love Smithfield's because of all of its uh, terrific southern cuisine food selections. And so I had it all. Chopped barbecue, coleslaw, hush puppies, uh, Brunswick stew, and sweet iced tea. And I ate and drank it all. And so the question that I would ask for you is, why be a Christian if you're not going to be a Christian all the way? In other words, why in the world would we want to settle for second best or anything else other than a deeper relationship with God in Jesus Christ? You know, earlier we sang that hymn, Rejoice ye pure in heart, rejoice, give thanks and sing. What if I had told you that, hey, um, before we sing this hymn, only those of you who are pure in heart are allowed to sing this hymn? What would this room sound like? I have a feeling all we would hear is a lovely organ solo from Janet. So how do we understand these words of Jesus? I think that many people misunderstand what Jesus said because when we hear blessed are the pure in heart, 
we think that means I got to be perfect. I got to be perfect. Well, that's impossible because even ivory soap is only 99 and 44 one hundredth percent pure. But for the Pharisees in Jesus' day, to be pure meant you had to be perfect. They firmly believe that if you follow the precepts of the law, that will give you the ultimate fulfillment in life. Their motto was, cleanliness is right next to godliness. And so they arranged their entire lives around keeping a laundry list of rules and regulations and purifying rituals as long as your arm. We would be hard-pressed to find anyone more concerned with purity than that of the Pharisees. The problem for them is that nothing was ever pure enough. In fact, even Jesus was not pure enough for the Pharisees. They wanted him to wash his hands, even though his hands weren't dirty. You see, they went beyond being perfectionist to being, to being perfectionistic. You may know somebody like that. I don't know. Maybe you are somebody like that. The steak is never cooked just quite right. The hair on my head never lays just quite right. Oh, that report that took me three weeks to put together, that should have had a size 14 font instead of a 12. And the sad thing about perfectionistic people is that since nothing is ever good enough for them on the outside, then nothing is ever good enough for them on the inside. And it's almost as if their quest for perfection just sort of masks and hides their imperfections. I'm not good enough. I'm not pure enough. I don't pray enough. I don't give enough. So if God isn't looking for perfection, then what is God looking for? Jesus said, blessed are not the perfect, but the pure in heart. Now, some scholars actually believe that Jesus is, is giving grace here to the Pharisees with these words. He's extending to them an olive branch by saying, hey, I know that you yearn for purity before God, but I just want to tell you that you're going about it in all the wrong way. The problem is you're seeking external purity through washings and ceremonies and, and, and cleansings and rules. Friends, as I tried to share with the children, God looks upon the heart. Jesus said what defiles a person is what comes out of their heart. And when sin gets into our hearts, like cancer, it metastasizes and it attaches itself to the social, relational, political, and economic structures of society. It, it poisons this world with injustices, shattered families, violence in the streets, various addictions, and poor moral choices. Well, in case you're keeping score there in the pew, I haven't given you any good news yet, have I? So how do we understand what it means to be pure in heart? Well, when Jesus is talking about pure in heart, he's talking about if there's anything inside our hearts distracting us from God. It's really what the word pure means. It's the Greek word katharos, which means clean, but I love the way the scholar commentator William Barclay addressed it. He says that the word katharos was also used to describe corn that had been carefully sifted and had all the chaff removed so that all that was left was 100% corn, nothing else. 
He also said that it was used to describe an army in which all the lazy soldiers were weeded out and so all that was left was this elite fighting force. So imagine an army of Catharos, men, women who are 100% committed as soldiers. Now, some of you out there may be thinking, well, John, I, I hear what you're saying, but is purity really that important? After all, a little chaff, some malcontents, that won't really matter that much, will it? Consider this for just a moment. How many of you like a little lemon in your water or in your iced tea or in your soda? Raise your hand. So lots of you do. I do too. In an issue of the Journal of Environmental Health, researchers conducted a study of lemons that typically garnish drinks at your average restaurant. And what they found is that in almost 70% of the cases, that's seven out of 10 times, these lemons were infected by a bonanza of germs and microorganisms. Some germs came from meat-contaminated cutting boards and knives. Some germs were from human saliva. And some were, well, let's just say you don't want to go there. So, catharos is important. Purity is important. And this is the kind of heart that Jesus says is blessed. It's a heart that is catharos, a heart that is pure, a heart that is 100% devoted to God. Now, unfortunately, our hearts are not pure, and that's true even in church. I had a friend who told me that uh, there was a, a man that he knew that never came to church, and all of a sudden, he started coming to church for everything. And so when my friend asked him why, he said it was because he was getting ready to start a new business, and he thought he could use all the help he could get. In other words, for the man, the Christian faith was nothing more than a lucky rabbit's foot. Friends, you will not find 100% purity of heart in many sanctuaries across the country. Think about it. How many sermons do you think are preached on Sundays are tainted with a pastor's personal need to show off how smart they are? How about the, the praise team guitarist who goes completely off script in the middle of a song on some kind of guitar solo? Or how about the church leader who counts the number of heads who comes to their church activity. And yes, as much as it's true for churches today, it was true for the great saints of the church. In fact, someone wants to find a saint as those figures out of the Christian past whose lives have been insufficiently researched. <laughs> so what's the answer? We need a contrite heart, a soft heart, a forgiving heart, a pure heart. The answer is that sometimes we need a brand new heart. In 1967, Dr. Christian Bernard of South Africa became the first doctor to successfully perform a human heart transplant. He took the living heart out of a 23-year-old woman who had been killed in a car accident, and he put it in the chest of a 53-year-old man whose heart was broken and beyond repair. So think about that. He, he took out one person's diseased and dying heart and he put in a brand new healthy one. Friends, Jesus says that he can come in and clean our hearts. 
he can get rid of the clutter, the impurities, the decay, and everything that distracts us from God. And Jesus will give us a new heart. All that Jesus really wants from us is for us to say, okay, Lord, make my heart yours. Take my heart and make it completely yours. You know, Jesus spent a lot of his ministry there in Galilee trying to convince people that God the Father wanted their hearts. And, and some of those people believed it and, and some didn't. The ones who did found a joy of a new way and new reason for living. The Methodist pastor, Will Willimon, tells a wonderful story about a family that lived next door to the church where he served. And their yard was always a mess. The children were not in very good clothes and they didn't seem to be very well cared for. Rumors were that the man got drunk on Saturday nights and beat his wife. So one time the church decided that they were going to reach out to this family and specifically to the man. And so Pastor Will Willeman went to visit the home. The, the, the young people in the youth group invited uh, the man's uh, uh, teenagers to go with them on a retreat to the mountains. The women's group asked the wife to come and join one of the women's circles. And so the man and his family, they started coming to church for a couple of Sundays and then they just quit coming. Several months passed, and Will Willman saw the man walking down the street. He said, Joe, is that you? He looked different. The man smiled and said, yeah, it's me. Well, at least it's mostly me. I've changed. And Will Willman said his whole appearance had changed. He, he looked great. In fact, his yard had changed. It looked different. It, was, it looked great. What happened? Well, weeks before, some people had come to pray with the man after he had gone on one of his drinking binges. And these were also church people, only they weren't from the proper middle-class Methodist church that lived next door to the family. This was a fundamentalist church. On the other side of the tracks, a real fire and brimstone, baptize you, shout hallelujah, fire and brimstone, washed in the blood, Holy Ghost Church. They told him if he didn't stop drinking and beating his wife, he was going to die and burn for all hell and eternity. That got his attention. So he went to church. And that morning from the pulpit, they prayed for that man by name. They said, Lord, don't kill him yet. At least let him live long enough for us to get him saved. Well, he got saved. He got saved big time, and he got turned inside out and right side up. And Will Willeman said to the man, I, I'm sorry that our church was unable to provide for your spiritual needs, but I'm glad that that other church has. By the way, when we say that as ministers, we never mean that. <laughs> Here's what the man said. He said, preacher, don't feel bad. Your church gave me aspirin. I needed massive chemotherapy. In other words, the man needed a brand new heart. Friends, don't worry about being perfect. For sure, don't play games with God. If you want to be free, if you want to be clean, if you want to be pure, if you want to be godly, then ask God to give you a purity of the heart.
Because Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit in us. God, the cry of our hearts is that we would be cleansed before you, that we would see you with the eyes of our hearts today, and that we would behold the face of Jesus Christ. God, we confess that some of us here today are driven by perfectionism, and a brutal judgment of others. And yet deep down, we can't stand the fact that no matter how hard we try, we can't live up to the impossible standards by which we judge other people. And so, Father, help us to allow you to supply the perfection as we offer to you our best intentions, which is a deep desire to please you. Purge the impurities of each and every heart here in this room so that we may abide in you and you in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.